This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host. Welcome, everyone. This is the Meaningful Sport Podcast, and I am your host, Nora Ronkainen. Meaningful Sport is a series of discussions on the why and how involvement in sport and physical activity can be an important part of a life worth living. If you are interested in the theme, you might also want to check out MeaningfulSport.com. There you can find podcast show notes, read a blog, and access many resources for further explorations of Meaningful Sport. I'm very honored to introduce today's guest. He's an Olympian, motivational speaker, and a businessman. He achieved three Olympic medals, as well as world, European, and Commonwealth titles during his really outstanding athletic career. But he's also widely known as a TV personality and an inspirational speaker. Very interestingly, for the theme of our podcast today, he is drawn to existential philosophy and how it can help us in making sense of our lives. And today he has agreed to join me for a discussion to explore meaning and meaningfulness of sport. Again, I'm very delighted to introduce Chris Akabusi, MBE. Welcome, Chris, and I'm excited and thankful for you to join me for today's discussion. Well, Nora, um, thank you very much for that warm introduction, and I'm most definitely very happy to be here. I never take any meeting for granted. I'm in awe in the grandeur of life, and somebody who I didn't know four, six weeks ago, I've met via electronic media, we've had discourses of such, and I I really take that encounter uh, really importantly and especially when I think of how many people there are on this globe, 7.6 billion and rising at this moment, and to think that I'm stopping to speak to Nora and that through her, I'll learn more about myself and about what it is to be a being. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really grateful for this moment to be with you. Yeah, I think when when we got in touch and, and we realized that we both have this interest in existential philosophy, so we exchanged some thoughts on, on Nietzsche's philosophy, and that would be something that has inspired you to think about life as well. Hmm. I guess one of the things... Um, that would be nice to start out with, like in my blog, for example, I have some quite critical remarks on elite sport and and pointing out some of the problems in sport. And and rightly so, you mentioned that certainly in elite sport, we also have this life-affirming feature, something that Nietzsche, for example, would uh, would certainly see as as valuable things for human life. So let's start exploring these ideas a little bit. So I'd be delighted to hear a little bit about how you are thinking about your athletic career at uh, elite level and and the meaning of sport in in your own life. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, sport is has been a, a massive, massive impact 
on my life and my experience of being in the world. Um, there are a few intersections, you know, I can think of my time as a child in a children's home, for example, my time as a soldier in my early um, sort of 20s, the migration from soldiering in the British Army to elite athletics. And being an athlete in the world is a very... Well, I was going to contradict myself because I say it's going to be very special because everything is special. Everything is unique. Everything is our window. Everything is our project. So, you know, but it is so much in the glare of the public. When you become a world-class athlete, all that you do is in the glare of the public, specifically when you are entering the arena to compete on a day, on an hour, determined by somebody else. They tell you to get ready for that day. And all the young people, because athletics is an environment that is pervaded at a performance level by young people, uh, you know, 20s and 30s, you're all getting ready for that day. And it's a do or die moment. Um, it, it is a, a moment when everyone sees, well, who are you? What have you got? Can you deliver? And you have to, go to call yourself together and all of your resources come together in that moment to, to, to deliver. And with every winner, with everybody who has that wreath and that garland around their neck, there will be eight people in that final orbit vanquished and maybe 40, 50, 60 people concertina below you who try to make that final all who have been vanquished. And that's a massive statement about yourself um, and can leave you having a sense of self-worth and meaning. Hmm. Um, But that can also evaporate very, very quickly because there's always another day. Yeah. I think at this point I should mention that there are all these... um, I mean, I listened to a couple of podcasts before our discussion and you have shared... A lot of stories from from the big highlights of your athletic career, and just like you said, in the media we we hear a lot of stories, and and it's often about these highlights. And and you certainly had an outstanding athletic career. Can you maybe talk a little bit about that everyday life of an athlete? So you are you have these big moments, you have these big events that you train for for mm. a very long time with that goal in mind. How about Everyday life as an athlete. How did you experience that? Um, so I, I, I like to pause and to think my everyday because it was a long time ago now, Nora. Um, yeah. I retired. I retired in nineteen ninety two. Um, so it's twenty, nearly thirty years ago. Um, I want to say that it's a market focus. Everything, everything that you do is geared up if you are at this level for the Olympics in four years' time, three years' time, two years' time, one year's time. And everything is about you. It's quite self-absorbed experience. Um, mm. You know, every day, I don't want to say regimented, but every day you have got a program. Um, if you're at an elite level, you're probably training twice a day at least for six days a week. Um, you know that your week is split up into strength sessions, endurance sessions, speed sessions, technique sessions. Um Speed endurance sessions. Um, you, you're very, 
you're very mindful of the body that you're in. You're very mindful of this vehicle in which you live, breathe, and have your being. And you can you can feel tensions and knots in it. You can feel a vibrancy in it. Sometimes you sometimes you may think there are things going on that are not going on. So that's often very difficult to decide between what's phantom and what is reality there. Yeah, everyday life is that's a, that's a tough one. Is, is, are you thinking of anything in particular, Nora? Yeah, I'm. Did you enjoy this everyday life of an athlete? Would you would you do that for nothing, or was there always this kind of sense of working towards this big goal that you have that gives meaning to that everyday life? So, in my day, I'm not quite sure what it's like today, but certainly in my day, when I started. I did it for nothing if what you mean by nothing is financial recompense. Now, I don't think you ever do anything for nothing. There's always a beneficial impulse in whatever you do. So, for example, I started athletics as a way of belonging to a community and a way of making a statement hitherto not made about myself. So, so there was a reason for me getting on in athletics. Um, it gave me a sense of purpose. It gave me a sense of significance. It gave me a sense of overcoming, overcoming what, what I'd been before. So in that case, it wasn't for nothing. But if you, if you mean financial recompense, definitely, definitely for nothing. It's only when you get better that you get, you get involved in the money side of life. Yeah, by saying that uh, doing something for nothing, is is it something that you find that there is this value of doing that thing for its own sake, doing sport, just because that moment of doing sport in your daily life is something that is meaningful and valuable for you? Or how important in your perspective was having this big goal, such as the World Championships or, or the Olympics, for example? So if if mankind, society, community had not created this Olympiad or World Championships, I am sure in one way, shape or form, I would have done some form of athletics in order to go and spear the bison. You know, so, <laughs> you know, you know I'm yeah. sure I would have been one of the members of our tribe who would chase down gazelles, who would you know, trap bison. You know, I, I, at that stage, I, I was a physical animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm wondering if whether you're trying to ask, you know, can you do sports for sports sake? Um, yeah, that's that's part of it, yeah. I'm thinking of this some years ago I was doing research with distance runners and yeah. and I was interested in this phenomenon like when you realize that you are getting older and and you are running slower this year than what you ran last year. Yeah. And and would would these runners continue running? So if they had been most of my participants were around national 
national level maybe yeah. so they would compete in the national champs and and that kind of thing but so that's almost an existential crisis for an athlete when you always had this horizon of of developing your running faster and and getting to a new level and when you realize you're not getting to a good level or, or a higher level then it's what next is kind of the mm. question that comes okay so of course i've been through that transition Clearly, I've been, you know, I'm now 62, I'm not 32. At 33 years of age, I was a, um, a world uh, champion. Uh, I was, um, in, as an individual, I'd come third in the world championships. Uh, and so, but, 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 for example, in 1992 in Barcelona, I was in, in my race, I, I, I was in a race where the, the winner, Kevin Young, broke the world record. He was eight meters ahead of me. One full second ahead of me. I, in placing third, had broken the British record. A record that still stands today. That shows you the level I had achieved. But I recognised I recognized in that moment, I'd gone as far as I was going to go. There was, there was no more I was getting out of myself. So clearly I've made that transition. This morning... I went for a three-mile run. I run every day. So, of course, yes, I have a joy and a difference. I've articulated a different meaning now in running, and it's not in actually trying to be the best or record, record time for public consumption. It's now another reason. Yeah. Let's, let's explore this shift of meaning. And, and you mentioned this turning point Mm-hmm. When you kind of realize that you have gone as far as, as you could, did you realize that kind of soon after, or was it something that you uh, realized in retrospect of thinking back of your experience? I, yeah, I, I realized right away. In fact, I realized all that year. You, you, you get, you do get indications that you're you are coming to an end of your elite phase. Training is not as easy as it's been before. Um, yeah more niggles in your training program, a couple of races that don't quite go to plan. And um, so I I had prepared myself to make the statement at the Games. I made the statement at the Olympic Games. I just crossed the line. I just run as fast as I'd ever run in my life. And yet I knew it was the end. I didn't push the envelope anymore. So so now now you you may get hundred different answers to that question from a hundred different athletes but I was aware right there right then in what was then the here and now I'd come to the end of that phase of my life uh-huh. now, now there is of course which is wrapped up in your question a void that comes thereafter you've, you know, you've, you've identified yourself as a athlete for 10 years and you've climbed to the, the peak of the echelon. And of course, there is a void that comes thereafter. Uh, that's another story. Yeah, we, we often hear about these things in the, in the media. And as a researcher, I've certainly heard athletes talk about that. So let's, let's hear your story, how, how you reconfigured yourself and, and your identity and, and the next big purpose in in your life if you will Hmm. so my experience of life has been that 
while I am involved in a particular project, if we can call my athletic career a project, while you are involved in that project, other opportunities are on one hand being subordinated, held back, but coming into view. So that for me as an athlete, part and parcel of, of competing at that level is interfacing with the media, the broadcast media. And what I've soon found is that by inter interfacing with that broadcast media, I was getting this profile and my personality was one that was engaging and people wanted to see more of. So there was an obvious cue for me that there was potential if I retired at the right time, to move into the media. Not only to move into the media, but also be involved in in, in mass communication projects on stages, in halls, at conference facilities. So, so these things you, you, you can't really do when you're at the top of your game because they're time-consuming, they, they are energy-draining, emotionally draining. But they are wide open for somebody who has a name as a performer to go and shoot. So you mentioned in your build-up with me being a motivational speaker. That came out of that moment when I fell uh -huh. into this new opening. Yeah. And it sounds from, from listening to you that you had quite the profound turning point in life and kind of realizing that this is it for me in sport. If if you think of your life as an elite athlete, did you ever have previously kind of, uh, moments of doubt or we talk about existentialism, so I guess mm. I will throw out the word existential crisis. Mm. Did you ever have some moments in your sport life when you questioned mm. whether this is what you really want to pursue and whether that's worth your effort? Yeah, so most definitely you will, well, I was confronted with um, the crisis of meaning, but there was no doubt that I wanted to continue. So um, I wasn't, I, uh, I ended my my career as a four meter hurdler. So what's a one lap around a track jumping over the hurdles. But I entered into world-class athletics as a four meter sprinter, um, and so I first got my international vest in 1983. But in 1986, I was confronted with what you've called that sort of existential moment, that angst, that the identity I created for myself as a world-class athlete running for my country in the four, flat 400 was being challenged by younger, more I want to say more virile, but younger, better versions of myself. There's a guy called Roger Black and there's a guy called Dirk Redmond. These were two young British quarter milers who, when they came on the scene, it was very obvious. You know, they beat me in a couple of races. They set times that were quicker than I could ever imagine. And so, 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 so there I had to decide whether I was going to hold on to the view of myself as an athlete, an international athlete. And that's when I made the choice, 86 to 87, to change to 40 meter hurdles. And that sounds, that, that's so easily said. It's very hard to do. Um, I, I'm very fortunate. I made it work. 
and I had a much better career as a 400 meter hurdler than I did as a flat runner. But, 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 so I never ever until 92 thought that no, FX wasn't for me. I knew deep down it was for me. I was committed to it, I was wedded to it, uh, I was defined by it. Yeah, hearing, hearing you. And, and what we discussed in these emails before, that there have certainly been these life-affirming uh, moments and experiences in, in elite sport that I, I believe that you certainly cherish. Mm. Um, I guess if we, if we think about elite sport now, and in some, some elements it's probably a different world from, from the time that you were an elite athlete yourself. Mm-hmm. And in our recent years we are we are hearing about very sad stories and very troubling sorry uh, stories about some of the issues and 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 problems for example in relation to athlete mental health mm. and so when you are hearing these news and and reading your uh, reading these news how do you feel about that what are, what are your thoughts i don't want to say that that experience didn't happen in my day. I'm sure that it did. Yeah. I'm sure that there were athletes in my day who had depressions, bulimia, anorexia nervosa, and, and a whole raft of mental health issues. But the world that we lived in then wasn't articulating that was not as accessible as it is today. So I... I, I wonder whether the prevalence of mental health issues today is because of the zeitgeist in which in which we, we, we live. That 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 it, it, it is open. You know, I mean, there was a case in like DS, DSMV five six has got so many different mental health issues, illnesses, you know, ADHD, whatever it is. That that that. Existed way back when, but because you didn't know it, you didn't know it. I'm not quite sure if, I want, if I'm really articulating myself very well. So, so yes, I am aware today of the of, of mental health crises amongst many sports people. Um, I'm not quite sure I was aware of it as much in my day. Yeah, and just like you said, I I think also we can, if we think of sports psychology and how mm-hmm. how much is it is available or hasn't been available like in our time these days it's quite common to have sports psychologists who are working with teams and and it's probably also more slowly becoming more acceptable to also be struggling sometimes so just like mm. you said i would guess that part of why we are now more aware is that also because athletes are talking about things and and it has been a somewhat taboo but now mm. that it's been made more visible in the media yeah thanks for joining us this week on physical activity research through podcast if you like the show make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on twitter this podcast is made possible by listeners like you thank you for your support if you found value in the show we would really appreciate the rating on Apple Podcast or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes. 
so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.